This is the Cascade Hiker Podcast. Find us over at CascadeHikerPodcast.com. I'm a country boy with the soft side. My heart wanders up north to the hillside. Now I've never made anyone quite as beautiful as you. I'm your host, Rudy Gets It. I'm here to inspire you to get out on the trail. You putting in two-mile hikes, five-mile hikes? Are you still on the couch? Come on, let's go on a backpacking trip. I'm going to introduce you to some folks that have done that and a whole lot more. Next on the Cascade Hiker Podcast, what's your name and where are you from? My name is Ross Vaughn, also known as Ultra Pedestrian Ross. And I am Kathy Obel Unbranded. We're Team Ultra Pedestrian. Yep, and we're from uh, Washington State, kind of all over the place. Currently, <laughs> currently on the trail in Oregon, on the Oregon Desert Trail. Right on. Well, that's uh, kind of what I wanted to talk about here. So what exactly is the up north loop that you guys are uh, attempting here? So the up north loop, so UP standing for ultra pedestrian, of course, <laughs> and just for up meaning positivity <laughs> being one of our goals in life is to live up to that standard. Um, so the up north loop is an idea we had based on look just looking at a map of all the long trails or many of the long trails in the United States. And there was just this obvious, to me at least, connection up through Oregon, Idaho, and Washington, where you could link up the Oregon Desert Trail uh, heading, I imagined it going clockwise, so heading west across southern Oregon, linking to the Pacific Crest Trail, heading north almost to the Canadian border, then linking up with the Pacific Northwest Trail east across to Idaho, and then the Idaho Centennial Trail south again to meet up with uh, essentially with the Oregon Desert Trail. So that was the plan. It's basically a 2,634-ish mile inland northwest link up of those four trails. Now, had you guys done uh, any of these uh, four trails before? Let's see, I did, I did the Washington portion of the PCT a few years ago just as a solo project. I did it um, unsupported and unresupplied southbound, so from Canada to Bridge of the Gods. Um, so, and, I've, and I've used that in a couple other projects. I did uh, linking up Mount Rainier, Mount Adams, and Mount St. Helens last year. So I'm familiar with that part, and then we lived right on the Pacific Northwest Trail near Whistler Canyon and Bonaparte Mountain in the Okanagan Highlands for 14 years. So we know those sections and the Kettle Crest really well, but most of this trail we don't know, especially the Idaho Centennial Trail and the Oregon Desert Trail, which barely has any actual trail to it at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I had Renee Patrick on the on the uh, podcast talking about the the Oregon Desert Trail, and um, it sounds sounds really unique. And now, are you have you guys completed that trail to this point? We're about two hundred and twenty five miles from Ben, so we we actually started on the Idaho Centennial Trail and kind of barely touched that. We started in Hammond, Idaho. And Renee had created a connector from the Idaho Centennial Trail to the Oregon Desert Trail. So we followed that, and that was near Three Forks on the Owyhee. And so 
that's where we joined up with the ODT. And so we've covered about 600 miles and we have, yeah, just that about 225 to bend where we'll hit the PCT. Now that section that you're talking about that she, she uh, created the connector, uh, is that the only section of trail that's not really an official trail then? There's that, and then she's also got a connector that will take the ODT to the PCT, and so that's actually that's just some, some a connector route that she put together too. I think we're the first ones that tried that connector that she had put together from the IDT to the ODT, and yeah, then I believe that we'll probably be the first that are that are attempting to get from the ODT up to the PCT and then. Yeah, the the connection from the ICT to um, Three Forks was uh, something that she had designed, you know, using uh, mapping programs and had flown on Google Earth, but nobody had actually, like, put feet to the ground to do it. Um, and we just kind of, you know, jumped in head first <laughs> and figured, hey, let's, let's do it and see <laughs> if this goes. And there were two pieces that didn't quite go, but we were able to – sort of improvise on our, you know, think on our feet and improvise solutions and, and find workarounds and uh, make it happen. So that's, uh, to a great degree, that's like one of my favorite things about through hiking or, you know, adventure running, mountaineering, any of that is, you know, there's the old adage that uh, no plan survives first contact with the enemy or, you know, and so to a great degree, my philosophy is why even bother making much of a plan when you know it's just going to go to crap anyway. Just go ahead and improvise once you're there on the ground. And that's that's what we did, and we were able to make it go. But that 100-or-so-mile uh, connector was pretty challenging. We started out with a 25-mile no-water stretch. Yeah. So right as we hit the trail, we had our full packs with, you know, filled with food for 200 miles and then a 25-mile stretch dry stretch so it was an exciting way to start wow and so with her uh kind of reconnaissance and uh was were, were you guys able to know where the water sources were going to be then yeah we had uh she had marked a, a number of them that she, where she thought or had reason to believe that there would be water and then we found some other sources along the way that uh we didn't know about it ahead of time. Um, one of our camps, we uh, were hiking through this real cattle area and then um, crossed over a cattle guard and, and all of a sudden the cow pie started thinning out at around 11 o'clock at night or near midnight and we were like perfect. And so we got off the two track a little bit and set up our tent. And uh, in the morning we were awakened by the sound of a big truck going by and it was the rancher hauling water out to fill the um, the uh, metal troughs for all his cows. So it was about 6.30 in the morning, this big water truck went cruising by and filled these water troughs about a mile up the road from us. And so we <laughs> packed everything up and we were able to go get fresh water, but beat the cows to it. Oh, that's perfect, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you can't complain about a, a dawn uh, water delivery on a desert trail. <laughs> <laughs> Take a quick break from uh, the show here to talk about Lux Hiking Gear. That's L-U-X-E-Hiking-Gear.com. You know, you could choose from all over the place, one to two-person tents, three to four-person tents. Uh, what I wanted to talk about was kind of their uh, back uh, backyard or campsite 
uh, you know, car camping or uh, hunting style uh, tents. I've got some bigger ones. I mean, there's a four person, there's all the way up to six person uh, tents here, but they also have some that are set up for, um, you know, having a stove in them. I mean, and, and, and he actually sells the stoves uh, from the site there. Uh, these wood stoves, uh, stove jackets called. Anyway, uh, that's a cool thing. I mean, if, if you're an outdoor hiker and you like cottage brand uh, tents, uh, this isn't something obviously you're going to carry on your back, but man, what a cool thing to offer. Uh, you know, he also has, of course, hiking tents and stuff, but, uh, but man, if you're, if you're going camping and you, uh, <laughs> it's going to be like in the winter and stuff or, or just a cold, I mean, we got some cold days over here, at least in Washington. And, uh, anyway, you can, uh, add a little wood stove to it, which I don't see often, uh, as an option, but go over to luxe-hiking-gear.com and check them out. Well, what about, uh, did you guys reach out to anybody else uh, because you hadn't officially hiked the, uh, like the ICT, um, you know, or, or the, uh, the full uh, Washington upper north section of the Pacific Northwest Trail? Did you guys reach out to anybody else for any kind of like words of advice or anything? Um, we, when we started talking to a couple of people, you know, um, yeah, we, we emailed and reached out to the, to the PNTA and to the folks, um, you know, to support the Idaho Centennial Trail. And so from just like putting the word out and, and getting information like that, there was a little bit of a buzz going. And so we had some people reaching out to us with advice and offering opportunities to send food caches and things like that. But since, since we're basically linking together for established routes that have established resupply strategies and some infrastructure and opportunities in place like that, we didn't have to do a lot of stuff specific to this project just because it sort of already existed. I, I don't know. I, I love how you guys just kind of picked this out and said, well, there's a, there's an obvious loop here. I mean, it just, it does make sense <laughs> after you guys put the map out. Right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that's how, uh, that's how a lot of our projects have happened over the years is, um, and that's kind of, that's, that's sort of our philosophy with attempting to do this, you know, in, in the through hike scene and in the ultra running scene and adventure running, there's fastest known times where you've got these people that are just so, so talented and so skilled at what they do. And they go out and put up these crazy, uh, you know, times with these speed records on the long trails. And we ended up kind of creating our own niche with going after only known times. So <laughs> instead of doing the fastest time on a known route, we try to put up the first time either on an, you know, a connection that hasn't been done before or an iteration that hasn't done before been done before on an established route. So that's fun because, um, I think of only known times as sort of the Schrodinger's cat of the adventure scene, because <laughs> once you put up an only known time, it simultaneously exists as both the fastest and the slowest known time for that route until somebody else completes it. Nice. Oh, that's good. So, but, but yeah, so we see something like that. Like I saw that loop and to me, it just seemed epic. It reminded me of, these other epic loops that have inspired us over the years, you know, like Skirka's Great Western Loop or Dirtmonger's Vagabond Loop. You know, when I first learned of link-ups like that years ago, it just made my mind explode with possibilities, you know. And so when I saw this loop and started researching it and saw that nobody 
seemed to have had the idea of doing it, it was just like, wow, this, this thing is really cool. This just has a, a beauty to it. It's just asking to be done. You know, I, I, to me, it looked like, yeah, this is clearly humanly possible. So we want to find out if we're the humans to do it. And we wanted to be out for a long stretch of time and not have it necessarily be on one of the more popular trails, like, you know, the whole distance of the PCT or the Continental Divide Trail. Um, we really just wanted to find a trail that had areas of a lot of lonely country and solitude and, and some untouched ground and just to be able to be out for four to six months. Hey, a quick little break here to uh, spotlight one of my uh, sponsors. That's Waymark Gear Company, waymarkgearco.com. Um, you know, I'm playing around on the website, and I wanted to say you, he has custom packs that are ready to go. You can order them right now. There's the through 38-42-liter packs. They start at 195. Uh, that's just 16 ounces. These are heavy-duty ultralight backpacks. He also has a 50-liter packs. Uh, they call it the Cadillac of frameless packs. Uh, they're starting at 32 ounces um, from 225 bucks. So, you know, go over there and check that out. There's some add-ons, too, you can do. Uh, the one I got for my daughter's uh, pack is the mesh water bottle, and it just holds right there on the strap of your shoulder strap right in front, and it's nice to just have that water right there handy, ready to go. Um, some hip belt pockets, uh, zippered shoulder pouches. Um, I mean, really, you can do almost anything with these packs, along with, of course, uh, all the different colors you can choose and whatnot. So go over to waymarkgearco.com and, you know, hey, at least just check them out right there. And you guys are, are planning on doing a continuous uh, uh, clockwise uh, hike then? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so you guys will be uh, perfect timing just to – Hit up all those southbound PCTers and the the westbound PNT, and uh, so that'd be kind of right. cool. Yeah, <laughs> I know the timing on it is is actually really really fun. So we'll get to see uh, by then we'll be going the opposite direction of just about everybody on each of those trails. So we'll get to meet everybody and seeing um, three ODT hikers and and that's it really just yeah three other hikers. Wow. So it's funny though because I mean here we're in. You know, getting up, um, we've got the danger of triple-digit heat coming on before too long across the deserts here. And yet, at this point, we're already kind of feeling winter breathing down our necks, you know, because we've got so much mileage to cover before we hit the Idaho Centennial Trail and our southbound being running ahead of winter in the fall. So it's kind of funny to be, you know, hiking and sweating all day long and wondering where your water's coming from and taking breaks under a shade umbrella and yet be in the back of your mind concerned about the snow that's coming on in another 110 days. Oh, man. Yeah, that is. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. Right on. Uh, what about, uh, so what about the ICT style? I don't know a whole lot about that trail. Um, it, are there regular through hikers along that, that stretch? Um. That's a good question. We'll be a lot uh, better situated to answer that come November or so. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I know that, that there are people that go and do it, but I don't think there's very many. I think, you know, I think it's in the 12 to 15 people a year range, something like that. And I don't know how many people strictly through hike it or, you know, complete it in a single season. Um, 
And so there's a lot of question marks on that. We've got it planned out and we've got the route planned and we've got our resupplies planned, but that's a couple months down the road. And I don't, I just don't put too much effort into getting something like that all ironed out ahead of time when there's months for it all to go wrong. So when we get a little bit closer to it, then I'll do the final research and, you know, get us more mentally prepared for that. But, uh, We've got the basics in place, and there's every every possibility of it going, but I don't know how many people we're going to see along the way. By uh, by the fall, though, I think that southbound, mean, that'll be the one trail where we're actually going the direction that anybody else would be going at that time of year. So. Oh, okay. Well, that might be kind of cool. Uh, what about uh, folks at home that are listening to this? Um, you know, are can you give out like your Instagram, uh, Facebook that people can maybe follow along? Yeah, our Instagram is at Ultra Pedestrian. Uh, if you just Google Ultra Pedestrian, all one word, you'll find all of our stuff. Our website is ultrapedestrian.com. Um, and actually, the easiest way might be to just go to ultrapedestrian.com slash up dash north dash loop. And that will give you links to our uh, Instagram, each of our individual Facebook pages, and it also has a really detailed CalTopo map that you can click through to and zoom on and see all the specifics of the route. And it also has a Garmin inReach map that shows you where we are on the trail at any given point. So you can actually follow our progress and 60 days from now, you can look on there and be like, oh, man, they haven't made it very far. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm actually looking at that right now. It's almost like it's almost like I'm staring at you guys, uh, even though you're just a tri- triangle. <laughs> right there in Lakeview. That's right. Uh, well, cool. Hey, uh, I just want to encourage you guys to uh, stay positive out there. And uh, also, um, since this is a separate episode, we did talk about your book, and I wanted to throw out uh, another accolade for that, um, 98 Days of Wind, The Greatest Fail of Our Life. Uh, you guys released that just uh, about a month and a half, two months ago, and so I encourage people to go check that out as well. Yeah, Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah that's uh, that was a really – just um oh man it's it's still kind of mind-boggling to look back on that project attempting to yo the yo-yo the grand enchantment trail and and just all the changes that that wrought in our lives and and how it affected us and changed us as people and you know i mean just that's what life does to you it changes you and teaches you things and being able to sort of document that process of those important life lessons in into a book like that was a pretty pretty amazing experience, and we're uh, we're stoked to have been able to do it, and and very thankful for for uh, positive words about it from you. Thanks, Rudy. Yeah, it's 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 good. Um, like I said in the other episode, uh, you know, it's a, it's a diary straight out of your guys' uh, lives at that moment. Uh, there's there was you know no. No question about it, and it's in your words, and and that is amazing. And I also wanted to kind of add too that uh, I just want to say thanks so much for uh, coming on the Cascade Hiker Podcast because you guys are the reason why I do this. Um, it's not about me. Uh, you guys are an inspiration, and you guys have inspired me just in our little talk here today. So thank you so much. Oh man, thanks, cool. Rudy. We appreciate you having us on. Yeah, it's been thank fun you. chatting with you. Thank you so much. You know, that's a, that's what I call 
um, the circle of perpetual inspiration because, you know, when we do our thing and it inspires you and then you do your thing and share it with us, then that inspires us again. And it just sends all of us sort of spiraling upwards where, you know, we come around on this loop, but it's on the next level up, you know, it's just this upward spiral and it keeps feeding inspiration on inspiration. So, so thank you for that. I, it always excites me to hear words like that from people and it just inspires us to go for even more. Right on guys. Well, thanks so much again and, uh, and, and have a safe trip out there. Hey, thank you very much. Thank you. We will. All right, that's the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to join the Patreon page. Find me at patreon.com slash Cascade Hiker Podcast. Also, hit me up uh, with an email, Rudy at CascadeHikerPodcast.com. Find me on Facebook. My Facebook page is Cascade Hiker Podcast. Twitter, find me at in underscore Cascade Hiking. And I'm Cascade Hiker Podcast on Instagram. Thanks, Whiskey Fever, for letting me use this track here, Tall Grass, off their album, Gonna Wake Up This Whole Town. Go find them at ReverbNation.com slash Whiskey Fever. Hey, see you next week. You were sweet like honey on a heartbeat. You were fine like wine and sunshine. I could feel you coming on strong. Could never be wrong. Could never be wrong. See her laying down in the tall grass. Playing mandolin in a white dress I come running when I hear that song It could never be wrong, it could never be wrong Where you wanna run, maybe I'll run too I would leave this world for a beautiful girl If I could just find you